Hello all, James here. Before we kick off this instalment, I'd just like to make you all aware that there was a technical snafu with my mic when we recorded this episode, which makes me sound like I'm speaking from down a well. I wasn't, I'm absolutely fine. Apologies, and hopefully it doesn't spoil your enjoyment of the episode, it's an absolute belter. For any new listeners, our sound is usually slicker than wet paint. On with the show. It's time for another episode of For Your Reconsideration, where we bite into an old cinematic meatball and try to work out if it was actually made with prime lean beef mince or is indeed just a load of off-cut minging offal all along. I'm Rob and it's Simon and James. How you doing, boy? Uh, first food one. First food intro. Like it. Yeah, I went a bit game show there. <laughs> How are you? Great, mate. Great. I'm very well, thank you. Excellent stuff. What have you guys been watching this week? Yeah, so uh, this week I have been, uh, I caught up with a film that I wanted to see last year and didn't get round to, uh, but I really enjoyed called Bad Times at the El Royale. Ooh, so that. this is a twisty, turny, super stylish, it's a bit self-indulgent, Tarantino-esque crime thriller set in a hotel. Uh, it's directed by Drew Goddard. It's really great fun, definitely worth a watch, uh, despite an, un, a slightly underwhelming final third. Great cast, Jeff Bridges is in it, Chris Hemsworth, uh, John Hamm, really, really good stuff. Obviously, it's an original property, and we know franchise potential, so inevitably the box office was disappointing. Uh. But as I can see it in the cinema, I can't really <laughs> <laughs> That sounds good, though. Yeah, is that on a VOD? Because I've, I've been meaning to watch that. I meant, went to watch it at the cinema, but just totally missed it because it wasn't there very long. No, no, um, it was on a um, it was on an Amazon Prime thing, like a one ninety nine rental. Oh, nice. So I didn't even I didn't even pay good rental price. <laughs> <laughs> Not supported this film sufficiently, but no, it's, it was really good. Uh, a very, uh, it was really good fun. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. excellent. Nice, nice. Si? Uh, I haven't been watching any movies this week, unfortunately, apart from the film we're about to talk about. Um, as I have been in southern Spain burning my Irish white skin to a crisp. Um, <laughs> uh, I did, however, I, I mean, I, sorry, I have, however, been watching Game of Thrones. Um <gasps> Oh, and oh, so uh, unlike the rest of the internet, though, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Everyone hates it. I love it. I don't know. You know <laughs> spoiler alert: I'm absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving so it. So I think we should uh, just put into context for the listener that we're discussing the um, the latest episode uh, when we record this, which was the bells, which is episode five of season eight. Yes. And some people have uh, had a bit of a taken quite a disliking to this particular episode. <laughs> By some people, kind of read everyone, everyone yeah. ever who's ever watched it. Yeah, but there was it's the same as the week before the episode previous, where Arya, Arya, however you say it. Yeah, I just still don't know how to say that name. Eight seasons in, my girlfriend is convinced it should be Arya, and everyone on the TV programs getting it wrong. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the week the, so the week before when she killed the Night King. I mean, it's spoilers, but everyone's seen mm. it by now. When she kills the Night King, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's unrealistic." She just dodged past all these Night Walkers. It's really? like, <laughs> <laughs> why is that annoying? Like, I don't. So that just sort of everyone was in a riled up mood anyway, and then this one came along, and all the people who named their children Danny are really pissed off. <laughs> well, it could have been worse. He could have named her after a real life war criminal instead <laughs> <Sit> of. <down>. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, here's my little girl at nursery first day. Her name is Pol Pot. 
I, I mean, I've got no issue with people disliking an episode or something. You know, if they're invested in it, that's absolutely fine. What I do have an issue with is the hysterical reaction, uh, this culture that we seem to live in now where yeah. everything is either the greatest thing ever made or the shittiest thing ever committed to film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's this toxic fan culture in the online space and it has to stop. It's got echoes of the last Jedi all oh, over it, it again. Yeah, you it know the petition, oh, don't you? God's what? Sake. What to reshoot ever? There's a petition redo the whole eight oh, series oh, apparently now directors are incompetent <sighs> it's just it's like do they I... understand how difficult this stuff is if anyone could do it then everybody yeah. would do it but this is the, the thing what i was thinking is that game of thrones on the whole is unprecedented in tv it's it is, never it been is. done like to that scale never been done like okay no. the early seasons when it was all kind of everything was rumbling underneath ready for this big finale. Okay, that was more low-key and felt a bit more in line with traditional TV. But as it's gone on and as it's got bigger and bigger, it's incredible what they're doing. Technically, it 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 must be... Must cost a fortune for one because you're making a film, basically an episode. Every episode, yeah. You can you can argue you can argue with some of the writing. You can argue with things not working the way you wanted. But what you can't be, and which which I'm finding everyone seems to be, is is bitter. It didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Yeah, that's the biggest problem I'm seeing. It's a TV show. It's a story. Stories are written by the creators to go in a certain way. And aren't stories better when they surprise you? And if you're arguing that the likes of Khaleesi's not doing what I, I really thought she should do, you've not been paying attention at all. She's been a murderer from the very first series. Yeah, she is a bit. The the only thing is, it, it you know these last two seasons have been really sped up, haven't they? Yeah, they've got through a lot of material dead quick. Yeah, yeah. I think they could have you know taken that extra time and maybe put in some more of these character beats that people are, are missing, and that that's that's fine. That's absolutely fine. That's fair enough criticism, but at the same time, you know these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, they. they, they crafted this from the beginning yeah they had the box as the guidelines right but they're working closely with george rr R. martin right and he doesn't seem to be giving any indication that he's annoying with it or that yeah. they're not or they're not being faithful to his vision they know they've spoken to him he's been involved with the show yeah. you know so it just seems to me like people are just it, it, it does there's a lot of entitlement that's the word things. mate that's the, how entitled are we as an audience that we can get upset about being yeah. being given this kind of entertainment this kind of entertainment is giant in scope scale and delivery and we're all moaning about it because it just didn't go how the how we way we wanted it to <laughs> key russell crowe in the middle of a crowd are you not entertained <laughs> exactly what more do you want <laughs> This is about as passionate as I've been on this podcast, I think. <laughs> on a serious point, I think the uh, HBO should remake the entire eight series and put the person who organised that petition in charge of it and see what how good they do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's what people seem yeah. to forget. Like, it's really fucking difficult to make <laughs> make anything with a crew and a camera and get a story and. Uh, it's a and on that scale, as well. honestly, yeah, it's, it's yeah. and not for nothing, that was a fantastically directed piece of television. It was, wasn't that, it? That was some of the best looking television I've ever seen. Yeah. The shots, uh, the, the I want to call it a battle, but it wasn't. It was a massacre, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was absolutely crazy. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. But have you ever seen anything like that in a telly show before? I've never seen anything like that. Oh, Not on that scale. No. no. It's, it's, yeah. Some anyway, of the imagery, I, mean, like, I kept wanting to pause it and make it the screensaver on my laptop. Yeah, it was great. It was that good. 
Anyway, anyway. Right. Who that we must move on to the film of the week. Whose film was it this week? It was, I'm delighted to say, my pick this Woo-hoo. week. What have you got for us? So, directed by the Safty brothers, Good Time stars Robert Pattinson. After a botched bank robbery lands his younger brother in prison, Connie Nikas embarks on a twisted odyssey through New York City's underworld to get his brother Nick out of jail. Uh, The reasons that I've picked this, so uh, despite having an A-list movie star at the forefront, this is a criminally underseen film. I think to a lot of mainstream moviegoers, Robert Pattinson is still viewed as the Twilight Boy by much of the cinema-going public, and... I think this movie puts that very much in the review. This was one of my favourite films of 2017. And the final reason, and probably the main reason I've picked this one, is I'm trying to find movies where Rob has to try and crowbar a Van Damme reference in, and I'm <laughs> curious to see. <laughs> this used to be such a nice part of tan. <laughs> Done. Sorry. Next. You're incredible. Do you understand? Yeah. I'm serious. You think I could have done that without you standing next to me being strong? Are you feeling this? Are you feeling the I'm feeling right now? Yeah, I'm cold. You're cold? Yeah. Let's get to Virginia, man. Just keep your head now. Turn around. He's all right. We didn't do no, anything. Oh, oh, Get back here. So I told you about my brother, yeah? Something happened. I don't know exactly what. He's been arrested. He's being held at Rikers Island. Love. Oh my God, that's awful. Make me queen. Just gotta get him out of there before something bad happens. He could get killed in there. You get another 10 grand, your brother will get out. The truth is an act of love. I think something very important is happening and it's deeply connected to my purpose. So, James, give me a budget because it can't have been grand. No, it's been a bit difficult to track down this one. So in interviews, the Safties just allude to the fact that uh, having Robert Pattinson in the movie allowed them to have more money than they would usually have. Uh, mm. IMDb estimates the budget at four and a half million, which looks about right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Film. Yeah. It made two million uh, twenty six four hundred ninety nine at the box office, so... Um, you know, it's an independent film. It's set up. We've discussed this before on, with the likes of Predestination and Dead Man's Shoes. You know, these films aren't designed for big theatrical releases where they're going to do gangbusters. Yeah. But I would imagine with Pattinson involved, they would have hoped it'd do a bit more than that, possibly on the theatrical run. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, I have to be completely honest. This was the, when you suggested it, James, is the first I've ever heard oh, of. Oh, right. <laughs> so, you know, no marketing had touched me at all you know so yeah it, it never entered my sphere and uh you know although i don't watch lots all the time i'm still a huge fan of um cinema and movies and entertainment culture um so i am aware a lot of the time of what's going on but um this never came near me uh what about um critical acclaim i mean like how was it received yeah re- really well actually like i was pretty happy when uh you put this film forward james because i'd seen it on netflix i've like Rob, I'd not heard of it outside of that at all. I just saw it pop up on Netflix, and I think I, in my um, Twilight fan club, someone mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But then, yeah, I saw it when it first dropped on Netflix. I, I absolutely loved it. Then, yeah, we're interested to see if I'd still have the same opinions on the second viewing. Um, in terms of reception, though, yeah, it was generally really good. So Rotten Tomatoes got it at 91% on the critical scale. Nice. Woo! Uh, that is a slam dunk. That's a high one. That is That could be our highest. I think it might be, actually. Yeah, it must be. And then uh, Audience have got it at 80%, so it's slightly lower. Similar story on Metacritic. We've got 80 out of 100 critically. Audience score 7.6, so again, Audience is lower. And I think looking at reviews across the aggregate websites and on your letterbox and IMDb's, where it does have a tinge of negativity is the audiences rather than critics. I think critics generally loved it. Yeah. Um, and then audiences, while on the whole, did like it. There was quite a few who had issues with it. But yeah, on the whole, everyone seemed to love it. I, I'm going to be completely honest. I I had a couple of issues with it. Mm. I'm going to be... Uh, I might be the one on the... not. I'm, I'm not so far as on the fence <laughs> on this one, but I did have a couple of issues with it. Um, mainly that Patterson was not wearing double denim at any point <laughs> during the film. <laughs> you asked how I was going to squeeze yes. it in. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. Score one. No, I did. I did actually. No, genuinely, genuinely, I did have a couple of issues, but it was not to do at all with the standard of filmmaking, um, the quality of what I was watching, the performances which were brilliant across the board. Um, it was more to do with um, I. I like my heroes more traditional, <laughs> and I like them in double denim. Uh, uh, Pattinson as a, Pattinson as a hero made some decisions in this uh, which, like, clawed at me a little bit. Oh, he's an arsehole. He's a total arsehole. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know, I know. That's that's the only bit, that that's the only misgiving I have. Aside from that, um, oh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was never not thoroughly enjoyable to watch. Um, I have to say, like... Um, Safty brothers. I mean, we need to mention that one of the Safty brothers is it Ben Safty? Yes, was playing Pattinson's brother in this, and he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. From the opening frames, he was amazing. Yeah, they remind me a lot of um, you know. So we covered Dead Man's Shoes a few weeks. Yeah, back, yeah. And they remind me a lot of Shane Meadows with not in terms of the types of films that they make, but with their approach to it. They're very guerrilla sort of filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. They've got this realism going on and they use non-professional actors as yeah, well they do yeah. a lot of street casting yeah. yeah so just throwing these non-professionals in with one of the world's most well-known movie stars as well yeah and just having having them go at it it just really lends some real freneticism to the whole thing yeah I yeah I think it was really yeah good. it's very authentic yeah it's really really authentic i got um like, I find them very sort of similar to that Gaspar Noe. Yeah. Did he do Enter the Void and um, Irreversible? Oh, God. <laughs> it's very similar, like the soundtrack as well. It's very similar. It hits similar beats to what he does. But then also, as being really basic, that, um, how do you, you say his name? Nicholas Winding Refn. How do you say his name? <laughs> there's vibes of him as well in there. Like, there's a, there's a lot of drive mm, nods mm. in there and... Um, yeah, yeah. The follow-up he did with Gosling as well. There's a lot of that in there, especially the oh, way only God shot. forgives. Only God forgives. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like um, that urban neon kind of thing, isn't yeah, it? All the yeah. great, the grain um, on the, the, you know, the cinema grain in the shots is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it was shot on film. It was shot on thirty-five mil. Yeah, so you do get that 
like especially being in New York as well. Yeah. Like it's proper grimy, like the, all the way through it. It's really grimy. It is, yeah, um, it is. Um, which I think look, I think it looks great. I think the the, the way the It did, the it did look great. DOP yeah. shot um, is it, it's so good, like throughout from start to finish looks amazing and, and all the neon and it's it's so colourful for how horrible and grim it is. It's still really it really pops, you know. It's really, it looks really good. Yeah, I think um, neon is a word that it's obviously a word usually described for a color scheme or, or for a lighting condition. But I felt like the score, it, that word neon could equally apply to the score. That's how I felt about it. You know, when I, if you were to push me to put a, a descriptive word on the score, I would say it feels kind of neon. The score was incredible in this film. Oh, what a score that is! It's by a guy called Daniel Lopatin or. One O's head tricks point OPN. Let's call it OPN. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is a Brooklyn-based composer, producer, and singer-songwriter of experimental electronic music. Oh my word! It's got a real carpenter oh, feel so to it. Vintage carpenter, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like... Oh, it's just lovely. I had some Beverly Hills Cop vibes as well. Like... Yeah, yeah. I was feeling Fletch with Chevy Chase. <laughs> it, no, the, the score was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's great. And uh, just before we move on from the cinematography as well, I just want to shout out the guy's name. It's shot by this guy, Sean Price-Williams. Mm. Uh, unbelievable job. Oh, amazing. Um, amazing Judge from his IMDb, uh, he never stops working by the looks of it. <laughs> what a man. Uh, mostly independent stuff. Uh, he shoots documentaries as well, which I think you can tell from here. It's got that sort of docu style as well. It's all very handheld. It's all very close, isn't it's it? It's just yeah. perfectly yeah. lit and really, really gritty. And oh, it just looks great. It looks superb. I love how like oh, up no. close and personal it all is. Like everything is is proper, like shoulder, head and shoulders, and that's pretty much it on all the shots. It is. It is. Originally, it took me a couple of scenes to get used to it because we didn't have so many establishing shots. It it, it took me a minute to get my head around it because I, I struggled to get a sense of place. Mm. But as soon as I got used to that, it wasn't a problem at all. No, I, I, I noticed that as well, actually, like especially when it goes from the opening bit where uh, Connie breaks out Nick out of his uh, therapy session. Yeah. And then it just bangs straight to a close-up of the mask he's got on in the bank. Yes, yeah, yeah. Masks are fucked up. Oh, they're horrendous. Absolutely awful. (laughs) And even though I'd seen this film before, that hit me again and I was just like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) It takes you a while to like, figure out what's actually happening at that point. Oh, it's horrendous. And it does it quite a lot. And I just think, yeah, I think that the, the way it's been shot, I, I love that really up-close personal Yeah, I think, type. and especially for a performance like Ben Safdie's as well. Like, I mean, I, I felt like I was uncomfortably close to him while he was breaking down in that yeah. first session with oh. his psychiatrist. You know, that that really wet, phlegmy face. voice and the tears. Oh, it's just something, God. it was something brilliant. The, yeah. I, like I got, because we were so close to him, I really felt that, that there was someone trapped yeah. inside. Because he can't, um, so we should say, shouldn't we, yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the character of Nick that he plays has uh, learning difficulties. Uh, and I think he's, he's, he's deaf as well. He's got he a hearing aid. Like he yeah, hearing yeah. Aids, yeah, yeah. We, we, the film yeah, yeah. starts with him in his psychiatrist's uh, office or his support worker or whoever that guy is with the noodle hair. He's <laughs> <laughs> clearly not an actor, but he's like, doing a brilliant job. Again, like that guy, you know, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's a real if he's a real support worker in real life, and they just cast him on the spot. I I thought like, oh, that must be a Hollywood name. That so you know, like doing someone doing a cameo because he looks so distinct. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. So I went on IMDb, you know, looking for Cronenberg or uh, Jim Jarmusch, but no, neither of those guys. No, it's just some other guy I'd never heard of. Yeah, <laughs> Noodlehead, as <laughs> we call him now. Noodlehead, so yeah. Michael Noodlehead. He's sort of uh, trying to get the lay of the land with Nick, isn't he, in terms of understanding his mental state at the moment. And we sort of get snippets of a horrendous sort of home life, doesn't he? And isn't he put in there because he threw a pan of hot water at his grandma? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, why? Why laughing about that? I don't know. You I don't know. Yeah, because it's just like, oh god, that. All oh, right, okay. So this is not a happy home life. <laughs> yeah, check. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, um, our Pat comes in and just yeah. sort of grabs the movie by the throat. And he does just never ever lets go of it at all. Yeah, like, for the entire one time. That is a brilliant way of describing it, James. This is not the geezer from Twilight. No. He's like a tornado in everything that he does. And he's just... I'll tell you what, right, we'll get into the mechanics of the plot a little later on. But And this guy, he is a terrible person. He's a horrible, horrible person, yeah. right? But I'm kind of rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> is that because he's a handsome bastard? <laughs> no, but you you are, because like at the fundament, he's trying to help his brother. I'll tell you what, he's... He's more goal orientated than me, right? I'd have given up ages ago. <laughs> he's got <laughs> determination that I that I couldn't muster if my life depended on he, it. He's so determined that he makes some decisions later on that I have questions about. But we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> he's just, you know, as we've said, we can heap lots and lots of praise on Patterson. He is a total revelation. He's so good. Yeah, and it's amazing how like his. You look at his acting CV, like, post-Twilight, which he's never going to shake that off, I don't think. No, and it's a shame as well. It's a shame. Yeah, but it's like him and uh, Christian Stewart as well. You know, it's like they've both made a real conscious effort to make these interesting low-budget movies to show that they are good actors. Um, mm. Yeah. And, yeah, Pattinson is, is amazing. And because the, was the Cronenberg film before this? He's done Cronenberg, hasn't he? Yeah, so that one Has where he? he's in the limo. He's an absolute arsehole in that again. <laughs> but he's, he's so good. And did you, did you see that bit of trivia as well, that um, he got in touch with the Safdie brothers yeah, to yeah. be in their next film? Because he was like, he'd seen a still from the, the previous yeah, movie amazing. called Heaven Knows What. He just saw a still. He did, didn't watch the film, saw a still got in touch with him and was like, I have to work with you guys. And then basically the the uh, Josh Safdie, the director, the, the co-director with Benny, they basically just wrote a film from that email exchange and then this was it. And, they, you know, I, that's an amazing story. And it, props to Pattinson, man, for, for you know, seeking him out. And, yeah, I can't, I can't respect that enough. And all the stories on set that he, you know, he just rocked up when he wasn't needed and... Um, was fully in character the whole time and, you know, ruined his hair and all stuff like that. I was, I mean, I was reading he was wandering around the neighbourhood in character and everyone bought it. He's, a, he's quality. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do see him as this amazing actor, but he is 
arguably the best actor of his generation. He really is. He's so good. No, he, uh, he's really reinvented himself. I he's sort of disagree so with that. Um, oh, he'll never lose the Twilight thing. And obviously that's a huge hit franchise, you know, yeah. the, the mainstream are going to go to. But I, I think if you watch his body of work since that, since those movies come out, it's just he's, he's so much more than just the pretty boy sparkly vampire. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, he is. But uh, I mean, that's the thing he will always be known. That's as. For, yeah for me to, and to a generation of cinema fans. That or Cedric Diggory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a he's got a real two for uh, two for on that, and he's like Harry yeah. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone loves Cedric Diggory. <laughs> so yeah, basically, uh, plot wise, the way the movie kicks off is Pattinson breaks his his disabled brother Nick out of his um, counselling session and basically decides that they're going to go and rob a bank. As you do, as you do, yeah. Yeah, pretty normal, that. So they're, they're absolute idiots, aren't they? <laughs> you know, there's no getting around it. Like, Pattinson, he's, he's, just, a, he's just a shit talker. He just blags his way through this entire film. Yeah, he's very yes. good at blagging. He goes, it's almost like a farce. Yeah. It just escalates from one ridiculous scenario to the next, and he manages to talk his way out of it until it just becomes too insurmountable. Yeah. Come the end. But, yeah, so they go to this bank, and they rob the bank with a note, which is which is quite good. <laughs> mm. I think that would work. Like, I, I was watching it going, there's no reason this wouldn't work. They're dressed in builder's gear. They've got those freaky shit masks on, which I know, kind of yeah. like, you know, it's like Ant and Deck on Saturday Night Takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> like, if someone passed me that note and I'm, I look up and the note passer was wearing that mask, you would audibly hear me film myself. Yeah. So yeah, it would definitely work. It would definitely work. Yeah. So the 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 masks are sort of like they're like uh, supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be a black person, isn't it? The mask. Yeah. That yeah. was sort of the impression I got. Um, yeah. But it was left very open endedly. Well, I think it's one of it's one of many points in the film where it feels like there is a sort of racial undertone to everything. Is like from the character's perspective, is that, and we see that later on when the fairground incident, like, yeah, yeah, he uses other people's what he believes other people's prejudices are against black people to get away with his own schemes, essentially. Yes, yes, yes. So, I think that's just another instance of it. I think that's why they were, oh, blimey, I'm so innocent. Like, so you're thinking, sorry to interrupt, sir, you're suggesting that they picked those masks for that reason. Well, yeah, Yeah. because I think I. I don't know if it's me just sort of going way over the top, but from the whole film, I just got a a sense of that idea that white people get away with stuff a lot more than black people. Right. He's just really pushing his luck throughout the whole film. Yeah. And he gets away with it because he's a white dude. Well, he gets away with it as much as he does because he's a white dude. We'll obviously get to the plot, you know, the end of the plot later. But this, you know, they chose the black mask, so... That there's never a suggestion it would be a pair of white dudes doing this. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. A, no, no, you're yeah, absolutely... I mean, what we know from doing this pod is that I am so thick when it comes to any sort of... <laughs> I, don't, you know, I might be in-depth. reading way too much into it. No, but, I don't, but I don't necessarily I think... think so, yeah, I yeah, and I think... I think you're right, you know, um, that's one of the reasons I enjoy doing this pod, because you guys actually help me understand the movie that I just watched, <laughs> so... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, that whole sequence actually then gave birth to him wearing another mask entirely, um, the red, you know, when the powder blows up. <laughs> so good. I think sometimes, you know, um, the best films in life have a really iconic look, 
in a certain moment, you know, and it can be either through costume or cinematography or whatever. But that look of Pattinson covered in red, I think it's quite iconic. Yeah. It's one of two iconic looks for this film, which we'll get to the second one later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, you're dead right. It's, you know, that's a poster, isn't it? Just him. It is, isn't it? It is, yeah. Or the pair of them covered in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should have said that. It was the dad. Yeah, yeah. Running into a Domino's restaurant to, <laughs> to get changed. Yeah, Domino's. Good. I, I, at this point as well, I think you get the sense that Connie is just forcing his poor brother into all this. He doesn't really want to be a part of it. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely yeah. got that impression. Uh, Connie, like, believes in him and, you know, he wants him to be part of it all and... I don't, you know, I don't think he's taking advantage of of him or anything because he doesn't actually use him. No, I don't. I think he just wants to involve him. Yeah, and he, he it's like a. I think it was. I do. Honest. I do. No. Oh yeah, it's a really odd expression of brotherly love, isn't it? His <laughs> motivations there are extremely pure. And then, of course, um, after that, you know, um, Nick gets arrested, he doesn't he? Somebody in the Domino's in the yeah. Domino's bathroom, doesn't he? Um, to come back for later. I think at this point, you really establish character with him because he goes they go they go running into this bathroom like a like men possessed right and he's already got a cover story for the domino staff who was banging on the door and like yeah. he's already talking his way out of it and it's mm. absolutely plausible exactly he's just can he's just one of those characters who can think on his feet and just bang his way out of yeah. any situation yeah and then basically what happens is they get collared by the police a little later on nick panics and runs for it and they go sprinting through the mall Connie gets away, uh, Nick goes crashing through a window. <laughs> Rock bottoms himself through a window. <laughs> Rock bottoms himself. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <And gets> arrested. <laughs> but yeah, that they, they, they had the option to close the mall for shooting and they were like, nah, let's just shoot it while it's open. Yeah, I read real. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, uh, it, the, the only instruction to uh, Pattinson was don't hit any bystanders. And then apparently there was like a bunch of people like stopping the police, like trying to trip them up and because they thought they were chasing a a proper shoplifter. I think I think it's worth noting at this point um, for the listeners that um, at university when we were together, we used to make low budget film, like uh, not low budget like this, like desperately, you know, hundreds of cripplingly low budget. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so um, shooting on the hoof was something we did did quite a bit. So us taking a unique enjoyment out of watching these guys do this, you know, that's why we would like that. Yeah, I love how they chose to do it as well. Like, they had the option, like, nah, let's just, let's keep it as real as possible. They pulled it off. It's really good. Oh, yeah. Apparently, that's what they've done with all of their films. So the other stuff that they've made is really, really micro-budget in comparison to this. This was like a big budget effort compared to what they've been working on before. And they're always like, we're always going to be the sort of directors who steal shots. So if we've got we've, if we've got a permit to shoot on one street, we're going to shoot on the whole block regardless. And we're going to use the real locations. Like when he goes to the hospital later on, that's a real hospital ward. Oh, is it? As well, he's just walking through it, yeah. Oh, like, geez. it's not closed down. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that about hospitals in films. It's like, what do they do? But then that is, yeah, taking the piss, but, you know. They probably closed down a floor for them to shoot on. Right, and then they've just gone, oh, just go for a walk around some of the other floors and get some shots. <laughs> oh, my is that why he's, he's, he's so convinced of it being really shifty? Because he and is actually being it. really shifty. Because you, yeah. No, but this is what you do when you're making low-budget film. You you just, you chance your arm and you black it. Yeah, definitely. So 
So basically, Nick gets thrown in the slammer, gets maced in the holding cell, and Connie's abandoned him. He's run off, basically. Yeah, he's a faster runner than old Nick is, isn't he? And he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he doesn't crash through windows, which is helpful. Uh, isn't he wearing during this happening? Is he wearing a gorgeous like um, a gorgeous jacket? Has he got like Chicago Bulls on it or something? Oh, it's like Mark that? Echo. It's a it's a Mark Echo. Ah, uh, oh, coat just... red coat, which was like very. Like, was it early noughties? He was on... This is such, like, random trivia. Mark Echo was a fashion designer, and his, his logo was like a rhino in a in a big circle. And he was a character on the Madden games, the John Madden games. <laughs> like, the so all the like, Love rappers... Love those games. It, yeah, all the rappers were, like, hidden characters as well. So I think he, it was, like, that sort of clothesline, like in your Sean John FUBU-type line of clothes. <laughs> So that's why he's got this massive, massive jacket on it. There's a, there's some random trivia for you, fashion trivia. I don't think we'll top that. This episode, <laughs> that's really out left field. I'm enjoying it. We, we can we can take this out, but um, I was at a book festival this weekend, um, and there was an absolute legend there in a Slytherin varsity jacket. As in Slytherin from the Harry Potter <laughs> franchise. That is relevant, though. But, but what was uh, Cedric Diggory? He was her Hufflepuff. <laughs> was he? Well, I mean, I just, like, and this guy was, a, I just like, you do you, mate. You legend, <laughs> man. And it was like, you know, the properly with, like, the dark blue back and the, the, the beige sleeves with Slytherin on the back. Like, you are a legend, bud. Anyway, right, digress. The Hogwarts Sorry. hockey team. <laughs> He was built like a linebacker. I was definitely going to go over. I wasn't going to go over and question him. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he breaks into the hospital, doesn't he? Yeah, so we should say that Nick basically is in prison and he's, because of his disabilities, he's not emotionally equipped for that situation at all. He ends up getting into a ruck with some of the guys and gets brutally beaten up in the TV room and ends up in hospital, which Connie then finds out about. But before we get to the hospital itself, we've got to talk about the relationship with Jennifer, Jason Lee and the bail bondsman situation. That bit was great. Jennifer Jason Lee is, well, she's just doing what she does best, isn't she? She's a very good unhinged tweaker, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, she's absolutely, like, head over heels in love with this scumbag, isn't she? Like, and he's just manipulating her for all that she's worth um, and using her mum's credit card to try and break his brother out, of, to go to the bail to bail to get his brother out of, um, out of prison and also using some of the uh, dyed red... <laughs> cash in the bail bond yeah. so, can you not accept this yeah he's just like I'll take this bit and this bit and this bit he obviously knows it's dodge but he's not bothered his money yeah. that was their actual job wasn't it they, he was the bail bond yeah, that was their office wasn't it yeah that was their office and, and his wife it was him and his wife and they just went oh, do you want to just be the characters <laughs> so they just shot them yeah. and he's Legend. very good at it they're both really good he's really good yeah they're both really good at it um, I'm going to confess I I um you know, we always look for the positives. I hated Jennifer Jason Lee in this. Oh, why? How come? Um, I thought it was a one-note performance. No redeeming features. No, I wasn't there with this one. I understand the motivations. Um, I thought that the best part about um, uh, her whole shtick in this was him, and that's probably why. You know, that's probably the point. But I didn't. I didn't like her turn in this at all. Do you think it could have, is that because it's like 
they used in it because there's not many name actors in this. Well, there's, yeah, there's possibly. There's, there's I think I think Pattinson it was just um, the, the screeching mom, mom. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, it it didn't do anything for me. Not just that. I mean, I know that's what the character's supposed to do. I understand that, but uh, at the same time, um, it just uh, she was a caricature. For me, but that's just that's just my opinion. I, I didn't. Enjoy that's fair that. enough. I think it, it's possible that that character could have been a street cast, like most of the other, like most of the other people. Yeah, I, th- I found her a plot device more than anything else. Yeah, I because I'd like to have known a bit more about her. Um, really, you know, why does she love this guy so much? And we never really found out, or did we? Did I miss that? Have you seen Robert Pattinson? <laughs> <laughs> He's not blonde yet. He's not blonde yet. I think. I think the implication is is that she's got her own mental health issues that he's yeah. fully aware of and that he can take advantage of because he's horrible basically, yeah. and he can manipulate her to do whatever he needs her to do and use her mum's credit card, which I don't think is the first time he's exploited <laughs> yeah, that particular no, 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 situation. No. You know, she's in. She's a woman in her late thirties, early forties, who's still living at home with her. No, I just. I wanted. I'd, I'd quite uh, like a little bit more from her. That's what I'm saying. I'd like not from her really, but from that character. I want a little bit more because I think I, I had no empathy for her whatsoever, and I'd like to have because I felt she was being used constantly by Connie. But I'd like to have had more empathy for her, but I couldn't because it was just no, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's the world, though, isn't it? Like he is, yeah, a of shit, course, yeah, yeah, and yeah. his world is going to be. Uh, surrounded by other shits. Uh, I have to add, it didn't affect my enjoyment of the film at all. Oh no! Well, she's she's not in it that much. Of course is she? she's not. Of course she's not. I mean, to be honest, because it was such, it was so OTT and and well, what I found, you know, as if I've got the goal to think of something as OTT. <laughs> but, uh, but because of that, like, I was just like, well, he's got a really difficult girlfriend who he's using. Yeah, and that was it. I just filed it there, and then just carried on enjoying the film just normally. I don't think she's his girlfriend. Yeah, he's just using her. But she but she obviously knows him really well. But she knows him well enough. Yeah, she, so, she really she really yeah. loved Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> like, you really look like Cedric Diggory. I'll do anything for that Diggory. <laughs> this is always the risk with me that I might have got it wrong, you know? I kinda like that in terms of, I get what you're saying, Rob, in terms of oh a bit more backstory, but I like the fact that all the characters just come in fully formed and you've got to make up your own mind about what type of characters these yeah, people yeah. are. Well, then in which case, I absolutely hate her. <laughs> I've got to be honest, I absolutely hate her. It's pointless. Yeah, because the, f- the film is all in just one night, isn't it? It is, so yeah, 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 yeah. Or one day, one night, the the morning the morning after. So when they're in the um, the bail bonds office, that's when he learns yes. that Nick is actually in hospital. Yeah, yeah. So then we go to the hospital and he's trying to, 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 so he goes, oh, I don't have to pay this money now. I can just break him out. And he desperately tries to get the stolen money back from the bail bondsman. Yeah. Because he's yeah. like, actually, I don't need to pay this anymore. I'm just going to break him out of the hospital. Can I have my <laughs> money back? And he's like, nah, <laughs> that's fine. You get the rest of it. <laughs> and he can't tell him why he wants it back. It's like, because I'm going to break him out of the hospital. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> it's, just, well, it's, it's such a really pure... Um... Plot driver, plot device, this, isn't it? Yeah. That you have got one night to get enough money to get your brother out, uh, you know, get enough money to get your brother out of the slammer. I love that. Who's in the slammer because of you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah that's the, that's the him, caveat, yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. I think all the best films are, are based on a really simple setup like that. Yeah, Warriors. The Warriors is the same. One night in New York. 
arguably my favorite film of all time and it's you know those simple stories where it's yeah, yeah. one night one goal at the end and it's yeah. just yeah get it done they make for the best films they make for the best films it's a lot in common with the Warriors, actually, in terms of the way it's shot, and not just the New York locale, mm. but the soundtrack as well is very yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is actually yeah. running across the city, basically. <laughs> like, it, is, it, it is, it is. Seriously, it is. But he's not like crucially, he's not an action hero. Oh no, mm. I love that. I love that he's not. He's like a proper. I smell a Van Damme reference. No, <laughs> you did that. I am not going there. <laughs> If he had a mullet, I'd have been a lot happier. But uh... he does uh, awful to his hair later, so you must be quite pleased with that. You mean by awful? That I mean, wasn't that my haircut during the middle of the two thousands? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys were there. You know better than I do because I couldn't see it. True. This is true. <laughs> Did you use the dye underneath a uh, a grandma's? Uh, that <laughs> you've manipulated no, way into the house. Did, you know, I did. I did actually do it with a with a pack from Asda at my grandma's sink once. <laughs> it's like, hey Rob, nice hair. How'd you do that? Funny story. Yeah, funny, not, not no, not actually funny. Quite tragic. Quite a tragic story. Actually. Well, my brother ended up in prison because of me. Yeah, well, you know, I thought I was the bee's knees. I'm sure that Connie thought he was the bee's knees. So. <laughs> I don't think that's the reason he's doing it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so basically, he goes to the hospital and decides that he's going to break his brother out. And he finds his brother uh, guarded by a police officer and he spins this guy a great yarn again and manages to get past him so that he can stake it out, waits for him to leave his post and breaks him out of the room and then manages to blag his way onto a dial-a-ride type thing and gets dropped off. Yeah. Can we just dial back slightly to the moment when he goes in the old lady's room to hide? Yeah. Oh, and he gives her the juice. Because I was on for this ride with him totally until he shares juice with the lady. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) you are a horrible man. (laughs) I thought he was going to do a lot worse. I, I was like, think, oh, so. And he just drank her orange. Well, he'd, he'd give her a bit of orange, then finish yeah. it off. Because he's, he's thirsty work running around trying to free your brother. Such <laughs> um, a horrible man. He really is. Oh, he's so this horrible. This woman is perishing. I mean, she oh. is by herself. She's gasping for that whole tiny carton of, <laughs> of hospital orange and, juice. And you know what? And he when, makes half of it. When he has it, he looks her in the eye as well. He does, yeah. He's horrible. <laughs> He's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you look at this. I think this scene is like Connie at his most deceptive and cunning. Yeah. And he is actually quite smart. You're like, you're watching it going, this is pretty impressive how he's managing to yeah, yeah, blag all so. these things. I, I thought, Especially like, when he gets into the taxi thing, the yeah, rider taxi. I thought as soon as, if anyone walked into that room with him with the old woman, he'd be like, oh, I've been here all night with my grandma. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. He'd have properly smarmed it out. He would, yeah. He's just got the gift of the gab, hasn't he? Like, yeah. And he can think on his feet so quickly. It's not yeah. a superpower, it's just he's a horrible, horrible man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then they escape from the hospital on the, on the dial-a-ride thing, and he gets dropped off. And then he pretends that he's living on that street where uh, this woman's been dropped off with her elderly husband. 
and then he goes back to her house and manages to blag his way in saying that he's locked out of his house and that can he use his phone to ring his mum to come and let her in? I mean, it's just it's so convoluted, these lies. I don't yeah, know yeah. but more. he's so <laughs> earnest when he tells them. He's so un- earnest and like, oh, I've just got, you know, I just need to go down the street now. I just got, you know, it's just, he, and people buy him. Yeah. Because I think this is like going back to what I said at the top of the recording, um, those undertones of race. It's no coincidence that all these characters who help him out are all are all black people. Yeah. So yeah. the the elderly gran who, you know, lets him lets him into the house. Oh don't, don't stay. Yeah, yeah. And then and then even the guy who's like operating the uh the park and ride taxi thing for the for all the he's just like, Oh yeah, I'll help you out, mate, even though you're not on my list. Yeah. Blah blah blah. I'll help you out. And he's just taking advantage of these people and he's getting away with it because he's just a charming, handsome wizard. <laughs> Hufflepuff, <laughs> I believe. Is that right? Did I say it right? Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah, he is a Hufflepuff. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, anyway, basically, he decides that he's going to hang out in the house until his fictional mother finishes work um, and his brother's just going to chill in one of the bedrooms like until he comes around. At this point, he decides to raid the medicine cabinet and give himself a Rob Parker mid-2000s hairdo. <laughs> My man! And then he asks uh, Jennifer, he rings Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Rob's favourite ever person, to come to him for five in the morning. She's a great actress. She is. And she's a great actress here. I just wanted more. Give me more. Uh, and then basically, he's, he's sat there with his crazy hair and the granddaughter comes in, who's also in this house. And he just goes. She just looks at him and goes, "Why have you bleached your hair?" And he just goes, "Yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of a weirdo." He's <laughs> <laughs> fine with it. There yeah. was one bit during this section, which is the the one bit what like threw me. And if I had one minor criticism, it would be this: when he's watching the news program. Yeah, this might be me being stupid as well, which is likely. That's my job, mate. You can't take my job. <laughs> the, the newscaster says the bank robbery, but he he says he says it twice that it's the bank robbery from last week. I was like, I thought we were in a one night scenario, but the news thing really like threw it for me because he goes, "Oh, the bank robbery from last week," and I was like, "Oh, so this is a week later." Didn't get it, but I don't. I, have I misheard that or something? No, no. I think you're right. I think. Basically, there's two there's two days essentially. Is that there's the first day where they get caught on the bank robbery, and then this is a few days later right, right, after right, right. Nick has been arrested and processed and put into uh, into prison. Basically, while okay, he's okay, right. trial, that's what I understood. And then from there, uh, it's after the credits roll because the credits don't roll for like ten minutes into the film, and then that's when we get into the whole one night scenario. After that's true. No, that, yeah, that yeah, is- yeah, yeah. I'm getting so picky there with this an off-screen voiceover going last. <laughs> what this film is rubbish. This is a fraud. This is what no, no. we're here for. Continuity. This is these are the big questions we need answering. This is why we're here. Um, so then, basically, um, his face crops up on the TV news, um, and because he doesn't want the granddaughter who's watching the TV... With don't. To, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear <laughs> to this. To see his face. The on most the awkward don't bit stop. in the whole film. He, he just lays a smackaroo on her and she she is not of age, is she? Oh. She says <laughs> she's 16, but she doesn't look 16. This is probably the most... Unco- I mean, like, thanks, James. When you said, Rob, hey, why don't you watch Good Time? Um, I... 
was as uncomfortable as I've felt in years. And I was watching this alone. Yeah. <laughs> in, you know, same, in my living room. Same. But again, I think that's the point. He's a proper shit. Of course, of course. He'll of do course, anything to survive. He's like a rat, basically. You just But this is I mean, this is where like my when you're watching something, I need to be able to root for somebody and I just can't root for him after this. I, I struggle to root for him after this. But the only reason I carry on is because I'm rooting for Benny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think this is the point where you lose uh, Connie. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because oh, I can't. I can't. And I can't watch. Really like I literally had to turn away when he was when he was on the bed with that girl. I had to turn away. It was horrible. Yeah, it's grim, isn't it? Like, and James just smiling like I put these guys through the ringer. <laughs> it's the <laughs> no, truth. I, I, I agree. I agree at the same time. But then I'm just sort of like, yeah. I do want to see what scrape he's going to get himself into next. Oh yeah, as a character, he's totally compelling. But as the the main focal point of a film, I'm not. You know, I'm like, oh my god, this is who I'm entrusted the next forty minutes to is following this horrendous human being. So, with that in mind, could you, could you, when you're watching a film, do you have to like the main character for you? To- I don't know. So not necessarily because obviously I know. Um, because this has asked questions of myself recently as well, yeah. um, in terms of what I like about a narrative. And I've been thinking about this since I watched this. We've not mentioned this before, but I write uh, crime thrillers for a living and uh, novels. And um, it's like, I don't like to give an audience an easy way out, and I never have. And I always like to make the audience follow someone that they shouldn't. And then now that it's being done to me, I'm not quite sure whether I like it anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm looking at myself like, Rob, you're a massive hypocrite. Because, you know, I know that the protagonists in my books have done some terrible things. but And now this guy is doing something terrible as well. And he keeps doing the terrible things. Yeah, and I'm in a moral quandary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like, I, I don't like this guy. But God, I want to see what he's going to do next. Yeah, yeah, and that also is a testament to Pattinson as well, because like in lesser hands, this would just be abhorrent, and you would never go along with it. Like I say, he's goal orientated. You've got to say that about yeah. him. He's he's going to succeed. Oh, yeah. Like I'd have given up hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have sacked it off at the bail bondsman. Well, the credit card's not working. Right, forget Sorry, it. I'll try my best. <laughs> Stop shouting, Jennifer Jason Lee. We'll go home. <laughs> Let's snuggle and watch the third Twilight movie for the seventeenth time. <laughs> That's the best one to be fair. Oh dear, is the best one. I really enjoyed the third. One. <laughs> oh, you serious? I watched the first two and then said to Becky, like Becky's uh, Mrs. Parker, uh, I ain't doing this again. I ain't doing this. So you're saying it got better? Third one's good. No. Third one is good. Yeah. Everyone's betraying me. <laughs> anyway, enough about Twilight. Uh, so, where are we with the film? So he's he's done his his daddy well, there, which again is that second second look we spoke about before. Where again, it's the poster. You know, you've got him with his dad yeah. there, and he's forever macking on an underage kid. And then, uh... yeah, and then this is the point where he realizes it's not actually his oh, brother who this... <laughs> he rescued from the hospital. He broke the wrong con out of the hospital. I'm so glad this happened when it happened because at the point of this film losing me. I was suddenly straight back in. Yeah. You know, and that's storytelling prowess and storytelling ability. It's a total uh, turn, isn't it? It is, yeah. I can't believe and And, like, even though, like, you know, and he's brilliant. The dude who plays the brother is brilliant. Well, the fake brother. Oh, I not love really his brother. Him. 
fake neck. He's brilliant. Yeah, and uh, the actor's called Buddy Duress, who is um, he's one of those ex-cons who becomes an, who's become an actor. Ah, uh, Danny Trejo. He is fantastic in this, and I'm with you, Rob. Like, if I was going to get lost on this film, it was at this point. And then to do that, and it, it is a tough because when all that bit in the hospital, I don't care. Like it, that is Benny Safdie in the thing who is he's breaking out. It is you can see it's him. Yeah, <laughs> you can see it's him. <laughs> and then they just totally like I, I might be wrong. There's a shot where I'm like I'm pretty sure it's him. Yeah, and then they just do this complete handbrake turn, and it's someone else. I think, I think as Usher said, said a it, it was, it's together. called the U-turn, according to Usher. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just amazing, because it's just like, now it becomes a completely different film. He's broke the wrong person. Yeah. That was yeah. And he's, he's back to square the one now. Now he, he onto needs... the fact that someone's been broken out of hospitals, and he can't go back to actually get his brother out. So now he needs to get the ten grand he again. the ten grand back, and, yeah. and, and And Pattinson is brilliant in this bit. When he realises that he's brought the wrong guy out, he is brilliant. His panic, the exasperation, the patter. I'm like, even his patter stutters. You know, like when he's the 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 gob, his gob shuts down on him a little bit. It's brilliant. Yeah, uh, and basically, uh, we should say that um, the reason that he's brought the wrong person out is because the guy is covered head. His whole face is covered in bandages. Yeah, that's, that's, that's he's suddenly got true. blind and doesn't recognise his own brother. <laughs> 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 I'd like to see the alternate spin-off where he broke the old lady out after robbing her juice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I took I'm... her for a lovely breakfast. <laughs> yeah, we can go to the Waffle House. He's stuck with this arsehole Ray, who's an even bigger arsehole than he is, basically. <laughs> yeah. And we get a full, like, short movie in the middle of this where we find out about Ray's crazy day after he just got out of prison the day before, basically. <laughs> Ray, come it's, on, Ray. His, his delivery is amazing. He's just in the back of the car. He's just like reeling off this story. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. He basically gets, so it's, in a nutshell, he gets out of prison, meets up with his mates, gets shit-faced, decides to start selling drugs immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Ends up taking a lot of the acid well. himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, they run away from the cops at some point. They end up stashing the acid in uh, an amusement park. That'll be important later on. He ends up in a cab at some point. I can't remember quite how. And then he's convinced that something's going wrong and he jumps out of the cab and ends up getting arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I can't go back to jail. I can't go back to jail, so I've got to jump out of this cab. Uh... Apparently a true story. Did you read that as well? Apparently that? that's a true story. What? That was based on the actor, Buddy Jerez. That was one of his stories that he... Oh, my God. Because he's been in out of prison, um, and a lot of that was based on an actual experience of his. Because he's got, like, he's got... Buddy Jurassic has got genuine screen charisma. He really you know, He is good to watch. He's, he's very good. And like, how... <laughs> and what a natural he is. I think he, he was in their previous film, wasn't he? Um, so they obviously know him from that, and I think yeah. that was his first film as well. Mm. Um, he's a find. What a find he is. Well, yeah, like Ma- yeah. Mark Wahlberg was, I guess, because he was. <laughs> 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 I'm now starting some movies. <laughs> I've got my own chain of hamburger restaurants <laughs> called Wahlburgers. <laughs> 
get it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I love, I love like his delivery. It's like uh, in in Ant Man with uh, Michael Pena when he's doing his stories. It's like that, and it's also like um, you guys seen a, a film years ago, Rules of Attraction. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where there's yeah. a bit in that, in the middle of that, where a guy has been on a Euro trip, and he just yeah. like, quickly bangs out this five minute story of his entire trip in Europe, in which about seconds, in yeah. about thirty seconds, <laughs> which is a whole they shot a whole film's worth of stuff. Yeah, that they just nailed that. He nailed it, like. Yeah, considering this guy's not a not a professional actor, that is amazing. Oh, is amazing. I would watch a whole ninety minute movie called Ray's Crazy Day. Right? <laughs> yeah, he basically gets easy, out of prison easy. and everything yeah. that happens that, and it ends with him jumping out of the jumping <laughs> <laughs> yeah. out of hospital by Robert Pattinson. <laughs> you could roll credits at that point, and I'd be satisfied. <laughs> the Good Time Extended Universe. <laughs> <laughs> the GTCU. Yeah, I was going there. I was going there. Excellent. The GTCU. So anyway, um, during the course of this, Ray's let it slip that they've stashed some acid in an amusement park. So Pattinson's um, eyes light up and he decides yeah. they're going to go and get said money and acid that's been stashed in an amusement park. <laughs> so they decide to go there and um, the fella who's in charge of the security that evening is none other than... I'm the captain now from Captain <laughs> and So, yeah, he's the other one who's like the sort of recognisable actor, isn't he? He is, yeah. So you've got Jennifer Jason Lee, Robert Pattinson and him. They're the three who are actually actors. He's not in it for long, is he? And he doesn't half get a kick in. <laughs> <laughs> well, he basically, he, he captain, the, he's playing the security guard at the amusement park. Um, while Crystal waits outside in the car for them. So yes. Crystal's the, the granddaughter. Yes. Um, and while he's captured Ray, Connie manages to get the drop on him and absolutely smashes him to bits. <laughs> <laughs> he's so weird. Like, if you've got to hire a security guard, surely one of the prerequisites is, I need someone who's quite tall and well-built. And they've hired yeah. the complete opposite. <laughs> oh. But again, like this is a you know going back to that underlining reading too much into it theme. They swap he swaps clothes with him. The cops come, and they just assume that Robert Pattinson is the security guard and arrest the because they 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 he's got that blag. He's got that gift of the blag again. Well, yeah, but he's got so they 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 don't find the money, do they? They find the sprite bottle filled with LSD. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell, Ray gives him a lot. Ray basically pours it down his throat. Oh my god. Yeah, we should say after Robert Pattinson's absolutely laid him out right in the the ghost train, they need to make sure that uh, he's not going to say anything to the cops. So they feed him acid. <laughs> it's like half a bottle. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I remember obviously, um, yeah, some terrible things happening. Um, that, again, Pattinson's character Connie making some more poor choices, but they work well for him. Like crucially, <laughs> as this film is telling us, yeah. Maybe I'm also a horrible person, but I just, I just find it really funny how he keeps getting out of these yeah, scrapes. Yeah. Like they just keep escalating. It's like a really extreme and violent and scuzzy version of Faulty Towers. It's just fast layered of on top of fast on the fast American on fast. remake. <laughs> that is what I mean. <laughs> Please, can that be on the 25-year Criterion edition of Good Time on the front cover? 
The Steelbook <laughs> Blu-ray release. Dear a modern-day neon NYC faulty towers. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take place in a hotel at any point. No, no. So now Pattinson is take. He, he pretends he's a security guard. Cops arrest the actual security guard, and so then now they've got his. Oh, don't forget what he does to poor Crystal as well. Like she's hanging out. Oh, she gets arrested, cops, doesn't she? Yeah. They can't cause... stop her because they believe that she's up to no good because she's a young black girl walking around. Yeah, and most likely, most likely she's a minor, which is the horrendous yeah. part of things. Yeah. And um, they say they ask him if he's seen her before, and he completely diso- denies all oh, knowledge. Yeah. No, he gets arrested. Yeah. Oh, so so he makes his getaway with Ray, and they go and decide to hang out in Barkan Abdi's crisp flat. Yeah, his lovely. Like, it's, what what do security guards get paid in America? He's got a lovely flat. He's in flat. Yeah, so <laughs> I thought that very nice, and he's got like real nice booze up on the corner. Yeah, yeah. Like, Ray girl, drinks immediately. Ray drinks a lot, basically. <laughs> Yeah, he drinks so much he be- eventually becomes CG Ray. Yeah, he's well, he's just uh, <laughs> he's just got out of prison. So what are you going to do? You're going to drink booze and take LSD? Is that not yeah. what you do when you? I've never been there, so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly after this episode, we'll all we'll all experience it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ray gets in touch with his mate Caliph, who's apparently going to sell the acid for them, which is going to get patented the ten thousand dollars that he needs to break his his brother out of uh, of prison because that's still his ultimate goal after all this. He still just needs to get the bail money to get his brother out of prison. And basically that goes about as well as everything else has. (laughs) 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 His big mate turns up and basically says, you know, I'm going to go and get the money. Uh, Well, Pattinson's uh, barricaded himself in a room with a huge dog. (laughs) (laughs) If you were to listen to this out of context, it would make no sense. But in in this film, it just sounds right. <laughs> so, of course he would. Escalating from one farcical situation to another yeah. to the next. Pattinson's not happy with the amount of money that he's offered. Uh, he decides to leave. Ray tries to stop him. The dog attacks Ray. Ray calls Caliph. The police arrive. <laughs> and it all goes to shit for everyone. It all goes to pair for everybody. So uh, they catch Connie. He drops the acid on top of the parking lot. Ray's tried to escape from the apartment, but he's so fucked up on booze. It's the most memorable bit, isn't it? I think when he just like... Falls. Oh God! Yeah, it's... it is. It isn't that? I mean, it's CG, isn't it? Well, no, no. He actually, he's actually dead. But Buddy Duress is actually dead now. <laughs> Don't it. It's only. It was, was the Punisher episode last week where you said to me, you know, like, oh yeah, John Travolta genuinely, you know, has a pipe, and it was improv, <laughs> and I was like, really, really? No, no, I, I'm not falling for it this time, mate. No, I. Because that, like, sometimes you know, we were talking about CG. Sometimes takes you out of a film. Oh, did it? I, I thought he was quite good. I, I just thought get he was a dummy. Good. Just get a dummy. Chuck it out the window. I thought it was quite well done because they kept the shot far enough away. Like it's a long shot. Yeah, I, I still thought, like, you know, I, I, I got it. Obviously, I understood it, and it still had the same impact on me. But I want, I want a dummy. Give me a dummy at that point. <laughs> it's not a dummy's not going to cost more than CGI, is it? 
It must have been the shot selection that they went for, basically. Maybe they just wanted... Because it's quite a quick shot, if I remember correctly. It's just sort of... Oh, it is, yeah, it is. It's It's like almost a point of view around, isn't it? What is Ray thinking, though? Thinking he can, like, scoot around that humongous, like, break in the the windowsill. What is he thinking? I think he's like... He's so out of his tree, he's not even thinking. He's just going, woohoo! Well... At this point, we can we can only assume he's had some of the LSD, but he's definitely pissed on a whole bottle mm, of brandy yeah. or something. So, fuck, what are you doing, Ray? But he was saying stuff Jeez. like he wasn't going to go back inside and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know. well, now uh, a day. <laughs> <laughs> but what a day. What a day. day. Made the most uh, of it. He's back more into that day than I have in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, you've never been to an arcade Baked up your tits on LSD playing House of the Jumping Dead. Jumping out the back of <laughs> Just me. Just me. Just me. No, I haven't done that. I'm only jive. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then, yeah, that's the end of Connie's journey because he gets arrested. And then we go back. Yeah, to, we get a nice little uh, coda. Nick, who's now back into his yeah. full circle, isn't he? We go back to his so, therapy session. What we get there, I think, um, just before we go back to Nick, is um, Connie's in the back of the car with his absolutely fucked up hairdo, like staring catatonically oh, is, through yeah, the grate, basically. Perfect. And like, I think this is the best piece of acting that he does in the entire film. Just that 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 stare and that look is like, right, I've been caught now. I'm going to have to do the right thing. And the implication is, is that now that he's been arrested, he confesses that he made his brother an accessory to that robbery. He didn't actually do anything wrong. And that uh, Nick is then released back into his support programme. And mm. the implication is that Connie's gone to prison, basically. Yeah, yeah uh, completely, yeah. The, yeah, it's all in the eyes, isn't it? Yeah, it's superb. It's an absolutely brilliant performance. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, um, what you can't argue with is his performance. His performance is brilliant. It is brilliant. It's totally brilliant. I think the three leads, you've got Pattinson's in throughout the whole film. Then you've got the first half is Benny Safdie, who's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, echoes of Toby Kebbell. He's directing the movie yeah. as well. Oh, he's directing the, the movie, yeah. Co-directing <laughs> the movie with his brother. But yeah, it's very much in the same vein as Kebbell in Dead Man's yeah, Shoes definitely. We about weeks ago. You know, it's that. It's quite a difficult role to play. And I think that's probably why he took it on himself because he's like, I can't direct this, yeah. I just have to do it myself. Yeah. Um, so you got him in the first half and then you got Buddy Duress in the second half. Those three performances, they're all like 10 out of 10. They they're are. Amazing. No, they really are. It's actually. Yeah. Amazing performances. And two of them aren't even proper yeah, actors. It's absurd. When you think of it like that, it's absolutely absurd. Um, can I get a favourite bit from you both, please? Favourite bit? I, I mean, I'm, I am rather partial to the to the whole ending sequence, how it all escalates yeah, up yeah, once they yeah. get into the apartment. I mean, even even the editing during that 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 sequence is excellent as well. Yeah, um, because when Ray's out on the balcony, tra- traverse. <laughs> Traverse from balcony to balcony well absolutely <laughs> shit face. <laughs> chased down as he's trying to get to this bottle of acid that's on top of this parking lot. But I've got a lot of love for the opening bank robbery sequence as well. Yeah, I think that's yeah. really well shot. Yeah, it's good. Um and I just love the I think the score is so essential to this film. Yeah, I so agree I, with I, you, mate. I score is another character. It's, that sounds a bit wanky, maybe, but No, it's not, it, it's not. Because setting yeah. is character a lot of the times as well. And, and yeah. but score here, I totally agree. 
Yeah, because like last week when we spoke about the Punisher and how off the score yeah, was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the complete opposite. The score proper helps the film. And, you know, if if any other, you know, if, if that score's any different, it's not going to have the same effect. It's, it's pitch perfect to what the film is. Um, it yeah. is. It is. And um, in a lot of ways, it's a rarity. But it actually holds hands with the film and enhances the film massively, mm. this. Uh, my favourite bit was... Um, I mean, it's it's quite hard to say it's a favourite bit when the film is just so ratty and horrible throughout the <laughs> 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 but I, I just think uh, Ray recounting his day to Connie in the in the car and how he ended up, it's brilliant. Like, the way it's delivered, the way it's edited together, um, and then, you know, mentioned the, the fact that it's semi-biographical as well, just makes that, I just think it's brilliant. That whole scene is amazing. They um, must have written that into the script and gone, oh, we've, we're going to have to cast him now. Like, we're going to have to cast him. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie. Like. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go um, with my favourite bit being when the um, uh, the bag of cash blows up and the red goes all over Pattinson and his face changes and you know that he'll do anything to survive. Um, that is my favourite bit because despite what a... Uh, horrid person he is I'm still following him you know what I mean like and 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 it's a it's a massive testament to what is a titanic performance from Pattinson oh yeah yeah definitely it's good how we've all got three different favorite bits because I think it just it's a testament to how good the film is yeah I think you're probably right I think you're probably well with with that in mind lads for your reconsideration Si I honestly don't think I can find any fault in this film uh, it's fraught, frantic, proper frenetic throughout the whole thing, and for what it is, a like a grimy street level crime flick, it just excels in ev- across the board. Yeah, we we briefly touched on it before about the, the the audience reception being slightly lower than critical, and it is interesting seeing a lot of people make the same oh good time more like bad time <laughs> joke like on their letterbox <laughs> reviews. A few people thought it looked terrible. Uh, that the soundtrack was loud and obnoxious. Um, others felt it was pointless. And then, yeah, um, which which you know is is kind of a, when you get these like day in the life films. You know, you could argue all of them are pointless, but you know it's good. It's um, quite an active day, though, oh, isn't yeah. it? It's not like he's just sat. Oh, it is. Doing- oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just disagree with all of that. Like, I think all of those things are great. Um, yeah, I really love it. And then at the top of that, you got Pattinson, who is, who's just superb. And I just think the the Safdie brothers have crafted a really solid film, displaying tons of confidence. I really loved it. I, I'm sure their their phone is ringing off the hook from studios to get a piece of them to do some studio flicks. But then I'm not sure that they'll do them. I think they're a bit too hipster and a bit too cool for that. Yeah. Um, being from New York and everything. Hey, you um, know what yeah. they're doing next, don't you? What is it? What are they doing next? I do not know what they're doing next. What are they doing next? The, uh, Superman. <laughs> they're doing a Diamond Heist film with none other than pod veteran Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, are you messing with me? Imagine. They are doing one with a pod veteran. Adam Sandler is starring in their next no! movie. No! Seriously? What? In a film called Uncut Diamonds, and I hope they bully a brilliant performance no, out of it. Will. I think oh, they, they will, they will. Yeah. Well, now I'm very now interested. That, I, I mean, so that, honestly, that is Christmas, that. Hearing that. 
Oh. Um, yeah, uh, for myself, um, yeah, easy one, this. Definitely check this out. I like a story where you've got to follow someone through uh, situations that make you um, question why they do it, question who they are as a person, uh, make you question yourself. And Pattinson does that and more in a performance which is nothing short of fantastic. He is everything to this film. Um, the technical stuff is all brilliant. The Safties have done an amazing job. And yeah, definitely check this out. No question about it. Check it out. Um, if you can stomach certain characters making choices that you will find a little bit difficult, you will enjoy it possibly a little bit more than me. But I still enjoyed it. Um, yeah, go check it out, please. Yeah, I mean, and from my perspective, I just think it's a bit of a masterclass in low-budget filmmaking. Like, yeah. I know it's not like as micro-budget as, say, Dead Man's Shoes, but it's, it's a very low-budget film in in the scheme of things. Uh, it's lean, mean, dirty, with cracking scores, riveting, crazy, scuzzy odyssey of petty crime with a magnetic central performance from Patterson. Oof. It's just brilliant. Oof. Like Simon said, I can't find any fault with it at all. But this type of film, I think it's, I think it's a real, real piece of fantastic work. Yeah. I think, that, well, in which case, that's unanimous across the board. Um, now, before we say tatty bye to our listeners tonight, I've got one last order of business. Uh, we've had a we've had a message from a listener. Wow! Uh, well, well, only seven so episodes. This is a first. Seven episodes in. This yes. is a first. <laughs> uh, he's got an alternate take on one of the films we've already discussed. Ah. So we're going to dive back to episode three, Dead Man's Shoes. Twitter okay. user Tom Pickup at TJP Gray has got in touch after listening to the discussion um, and he's offered the following thoughts. Um, and it really actually got me thinking quite a little bit, this one. Um, you know, we, we talked quite a bit about where Mark, the bloke at the end, who was the last piece of the puzzle, was going to be kicked out by his wife. Yeah. You know, um, for his involvement with Anthony's yeah, death. Yeah, stuck him on the couch. He read yeah. it that Mark, in the end, was on the on the couch but because he put himself there to keep his wife and kids away from danger so he'd be the first line of defence against Richard. He didn't think he was being kicked out by his wife. What do you think? Oh, could be both. Yeah. Could be both. Yeah. It could be both. It's not cut and dried, is it? I just don't think Jim Hartley's going to be standing for it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm well, with she you. was quite blasé about Richard giving the kids a knife, so you don't know. No, no, it. no. Because I never thought, because I was with you guys that he was being cast aside this was it this was his last night in the house yeah well i know if if, if i was in his situation and i was married to uh, joe hartley <laughs> she's got a better chance fighting off burglars than i have i'm a right wimp <laughs> i'm gonna be in bed <laughs> on the side of the bed where the door isn't uh, <laughs> you know absurdly that's a genuine thing in it you know we all know that like you know, when we go to a hotel, like the first thing is, right, Rob, you're on the side with the door. <laughs> yeah, I'm always the so opposite. I'm like, what do you like, think well, I'm going to do? My missus is oh, well harder word. than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's a second part to this uh, To this, oh, right. okay. this question. Um, you know, at the end, leaving Anthony in the, um, in the castle sort of stables area, yeah. he thought that the gang had pretty much hung him, not that Anthony had hung himself. Because I thought, when I first watched it, I thought that Anthony had hung himself. 
um, you know, being left with a new uh, with a noose and all that. But maybe I'm reading that into that too literally. What did you guys think? I think there's actually a piece of dialogue where Mark says that he hung himself. They did just leave him there. Right, right, right. That's a good point actually, because when I first watched it, and from my rewatching it and from my memory, mm. I did think they'd hung him and they'd left him there. Yeah, yeah. To hang, and then watching it back, and it's like they or they make out that he has hung himself. Yeah, it's got maybe it was just too dark and it was a last minute change. Maybe I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, again, like the it, my, sorry, man. If I'm going to be like super critical, sorry. If I'm going to be like super critical, the one argument of that is like, is he capable of hanging himself? That's, that's my that, yeah yeah. So that's my whether he would have the ingenuity to hang himself. Yeah yeah. That yeah. that is also I think that's um, a fair point. Um, that is that is what TJP Gray says is that. He wonders how mentally capable Anthony would be to kill himself. Yeah, mm. um, I I think it's definitely a good point. The only reason that I'm wavering on it is I'm pretty sure that there's a piece of dialogue yeah. from Mark and that he's confessing the whole lot. I don't think he'd then just sugarcoat that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Tend agree, yeah. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think they make it clear in the film that he did hang himself, but it is quite interesting to wonder whether... Yeah. God, if only Shane Meadows was in there. <laughs> Shane, um, Shane, if you're listening. Yeah, it is quite interesting, interesting uh, question, yeah. Yeah. TJP Grey, yeah, spot on. Yeah, well, um, thank you, boys. Um, I have to say to all the listeners, we lo- that was the first for us, but it's great to hear from you. We'd love to do more of that. Uh, thank you, Tom, at TJP Grey, for your comments. And please do feel free to get in touch and share your thoughts, because we will, as you've just seen, Discuss them on the show. Uh, thanks for listening. Please hit us up on Twitter at FYRFilmPod or email us at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And please keep those beautiful five-star reviews coming in. Until next time, say goodbye, boys. See ya. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Addies. Addies! <laughs> my trousers off. <laughs> Take your trousers off. Put my trousers on. <laughs> <laughs>